The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Mayor Waters, it's been a joy. And uh, Bobby Hayes started the tradition of asking me to speak at the Christmas tree lighting. But I want to say this, I appreciate uh, Mayor Waters and Mayor Don Murphy and, of course, Mayor Hayes for letting us have a Christmas tree lighting in Pelham. Amen? We don't have a holiday lighting. We have a Christmas tree lighting. And uh, I, I thank God for our city leadership that's kept it that way. And it has been a joy uh, to serve as your pastor and also to serve this community. And uh, I, I told him I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm going to live in Pelham. Uh, at least that's our plans right now, unless the Lord changes that. And we look forward to, to spending our retirement years here in Pelham. So thank you for that, Mayor Waters. And I, we worked him hard this week. He had to do that Monday night at city council, then he had to do it Wednesday night at a staff banquet, and now he's got to do it, he's already done it twice this morning. So uh, he's earning his pay this week as Pelham's mayor coming to these uh, presentation ceremonies, and I appreciate it. Well, I hope you'll take your copy of God's Word, and today we'll have our prayer time during the altar call. Because I have an important message, and I want to bring this message not just to the graduates, but to all of us. And I don't know that I have ever preached a more important or timely message. And this is a challenge to you as members of the class of 2014, but it's also a challenge to every Christian in this building to not compromise. And I'm going to talk about that after I read our text. Let's stand together as we show our respect for the reading of God's Word. Our text today is found in the Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is the word of the living God. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, this morning I want to preface everything I say by saying this. I, I don't hate anybody. This is not a hate speech sermon. Uh, but I need to be biblically correct today instead of politically correct. And I, it has been my goal for 35 years not to be politically correct, but to be in this pulpit biblically correct. And I have never seen an age of compromise such as the one in which we are in today. Last year, the Boy Scouts of America voted to compromise a charter when it, which had been in existence for over a hundred years. And I had told the Boy Scout Council locally, if they vote to change the charter, First Baptist Pelham will no longer sponsor a Boy Scout troop. I told them that for two years when it first came up. And to my dismay, they voted to change a charter which had been in place over a hundred years. And so I had to react in the way that I had promised them I would with hatred toward no one, but because I cannot allow this church to sponsor a group which justifies homosexual activity, uh, we canceled our charter with the Boy Scouts when it expired before the new charter came in. Uh, a few weeks ago, World Vision, a Christian organization, voted in their board of trustee meeting to allow employees of World Vision, a Christian organization, to have same-sex marriage partners. There was an outcry against that, and they removed that from their policy. But nevertheless, to their shame, they did vote it in to start with. 
Dr. Al Mohler, president of Southern Baptist Seminary, has said this about compromising on this issue. The pressure regarding crucial issues is now so powerful that we're seeing Christians as individuals as well as denominations, churches and institutions tempted to compromise what should never be compromised. Uh, just this past week, an announcement was made and there's an organization that promotes the, the platform of gay, lesbians, bisexual and transgender people and they are starting a program in Alabama, Arkansas and Mississippi and they're going to spend eight and a half million dollars. And the key issue is not to give people human rights because every human being that lives in the state of Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi has human rights. They want special rights given to the smallest minority in the American population, the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender population. They're going to spend eight and a half million dollars. Basically, and you can read the bottom of this, uh, they're going to spend eight and a half million dollars to get these three states to accept same-sex marriage. That is the compromise I'm talking about. The Bible is very clear. In fact, the book of Romans is very clear about that. Uh, that cannot be compromised. Uh, another thing that's moving today, and I wanted to make this uh, known to, the, to our graduates, they need to know the number. By the way, both these quotes today came out of magazines that came into my office in the last few weeks. Uh, one of them was in uh, the May issue, one of them was in the May-June issue. And notice about the nuns. In the United States, the percentage of Americans claiming no religion almost doubled in the last two decades, climbing from 8.1% in 1990 to 15% in 2008. Those claiming no religion, a.k.a. nuns, made up the only group to have grown in every state. The nuns were most numerous, and I'm saying this to the class of 2014 because you may be one of these people. I hope not, but you may be. But you will run into them in, in college and uh, in your life. You're going to run into them. The nuns were most numerous among the young. A whopping 22% of 18 to 29-year-olds claimed no religion, up from 11% in 1990. The study also found that 73% of the nuns came from religious homes. Listen to this. 66% were described by the survey as de-converts. That meant that at one time in their life they had believed in God, but they no longer claimed to believe in God. Young adults are abandoning church at an alarming rate. Now some people would say, well, if people are abandoning church, don't you think we just need to go along to get along? Absolutely not. In fact, the book of Romans teaches us just that. Uh, Paul says, should we let sin abound where grace can much more abound? He says these two words, God forbid. So I'm calling on the graduates. I'm calling on every person in this building. I'm calling on retired people or soon to be retired people like me. And I want to tell you, if I had known I was going to have to work so hard to retire, I'd retired a long time ago. I'm not sure I'm in a good enough health to retire. I've gone to all these meetings this week. But, uh, uh, but I'm excited about retiring. But I want you to know this. I'm not retiring from my convictions. My convictions will be the same if I'm not preaching from this pulpit as pastor. When I get a chance to preach, I will preach the unadulterated Word of God. And I want to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to compromise the message. 
Now, very simply this morning, there are three things in this passage. First of all, there's a call to consecration in verse 1. Notice Paul says, therefore, brothers. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, I hope you graduates, especially those of you who've been in this church all your life, know that when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you look to see what it's therefore, okay? If you hadn't learned that, either hadn't been listening or you've been texting during the sermon and you should have been listening, all right? I hope you're listening this morning. The word therefore means everything that has gone before it. And in the book of Romans, there's 11 chapters that have gone before it. Now, what are the mercies of God? Those are the mercies described by the Apostle Paul in those 11 chapters. It's righteousness. Paul refers to the doctrinal teaching in Romans 1 through 11, which stress that we become righteous when we yield our lives in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate Mayor Waters and the city of Pelham putting that in my proclamation about the cornfield in Walker County. Because, you know, if it hadn't been for the cornfield in Walker County, I probably would have never been your pastor. I probably would have never married Miss Mary. I probably would have never preached a sermon in my life. In fact, I may be either in hell or on my way to hell today had it not been for that cornfield. I had a conversion experience, and that's what Paul is calling the church to here by the mercies of God. And then he says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now, young people, let me explain that to you, what that means. First of all, that means there are some things you do. That means there are things you do like reading your Bible. There are things you do like praying. Now you think, well, I, that's not for me to do. That's for old people like my preacher and my mom and daddy and all the other old people I know. I want to tell you this. The church is never any stronger than her weakest member. And I don't want our weakest members to be our young people. I think y'all can be champions for Christ. Brother Ron Cox, where are you? I saw you a while ago. Where are you, Rose? Brother Ron Cox, let's, stand. let's welcome Ron Cox to First Baptist Pell. Stand up, Brother Ron. Brother Ron has been my friend and brother ever since I've been in Pelham. And you know how Brother Ron and I became friends? We didn't go to some ministerial meeting and decide, let's be buddies. You know what I saw Brother Ron Cox do? I saw Brother Ron Cox ministering to his wife who was ill. And I remember the days, Brother Ron, when you'd take Glenda out and We'd go out to eat on Sunday. We'd run into you and Glenda, and, and you'd be taking her meal, and you'd be cutting it up, and you'd be feeding it to her one bite at a time, and you'd be wiping her mouth, and you were seeing that, that she got her nourishment. And then I remember she got worse, and that dread disease took her strength away. Her mind was so bright. And I'd go in a room down there at Briarcliff, and I'd walk in, and I'd say, have you seen old Ron Cox lately? And she would just grin from ear to ear. And I love Ron Cox because I saw a man loving his wife as Christ loved the church. And God called her home to glory. And now God has given Brother Ron a wife, Suzanne, who's ministering today in Jesus' name up in Wisconsin. But Brother Ron and I became prayer partners because of the way he treated his wife. And our churches became prayer partners, and we've had services together, and they've given us money when we were relocating. We gave them money when they were relocating. You know why? Because Brother Ron Cox and I are brothers in Christ. And every member at Kingwood that knows Jesus is a brother or sister to every member at First Baptist Pelham who knows Jesus. We're washed in the blood. It doesn't matter what denominational label I wear. It's the fact that they're my brother, they're my sister in Christ. And Paul says, if you're saved, you're my brother. If you're saved, you're my sister here. 
And he said, here's what you're to do as my brother and my sister. You'll present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. There are things you do when you're saved. You read your Bible, you pray, you seek God. I hope those of you, Amanda, I hope you prayed about going to Auburn, all right? <laughs> I'm not just picking on you because you're going to Auburn. You know, she's going to be a pharmacist. And, you know, the older I get, the more I realize, thank God for doctors and pharmacists. They're probably the most important people in the world, us old folks. Uh, they keep us, they and the good Lord keep us on this side of the grass and not the other side of the grass. But I want to tell you this, you need to pray about everything. But if, if that's true of our young people, it ought to be true of us too. You say, why are you retiring? You know, I'll tell you exactly why I'm retiring. I've been telling y'all for many years that if it was God's will, I'd like to stay here 40 years. Now, if you add it up, that'd be five years from now. But last year in August, God started dealing with me. And I said to y'all, I'd like to stay here 40 years. But I'd always say it with this caveat, I'd say, as long as that's what God's plan is for me. And last August, God began to tell me, that's not my plan. You're going to be 66 in May. That's 35 years. That is a good stopping point. And I said, but Lord, I'm going to have to tell this to Mary. And the Lord said, you just let me worry about Mary. You just better do what I tell you to, or there'll be a woodshed, or there might be an early tombstone. And I said, Lord, I'm beginning to get a clear picture of you wanting me to retire in May of next year. And you know what I told God? I said, tell me before you tell anybody. Because I didn't want y'all having a committee meeting and saying, well, you know, old Brother Mike is slipping. And I'll be honest, Brother Mike is slipping. I say stuff nowadays. Of course, I've said stuff like that all my life. But now it just seems to be happening more often. You know, I put one word here and it's supposed to go there. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Just keep living, you little old babies, and you'll find out about what that's like. Called senior moments. But I didn't want them saying one day, well, if old Brother Mike had retired back in 2014 when God told him to, he'd had a good ministry. But you know, you know what blesses me? It blesses me that y'all don't want me to retire. I appreciate that. You'll never know what that means to me, but here's the most important thing. God does want me to retire. You say, why is that important? Because he's done with me. I'd be doing this church a disservice if I stayed on when God said, you need to get out of the way, let a younger man. When I came here, Mayor, in 1979, when I came here, Pelham was a young community. You were a young man. I was a fairly young man. Now I'm an old man. And guess what? Pelham's still a fairly young community. And so there needs to be a young man who can come and take this church where God wants to take it. And I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader. But I'm doing what I'm doing because it's the will of God. And I've prayed about it. And I know that young people do the will of God. But there are some things you do. But then there are some things you don't do. Let me tell you what you don't do. You don't look at pornography. Several months ago, I, I had my television on. And I was flipping through the channels. And I saw something. And I thought, my soul, where did that come from? I thought Mary had signed up for something and didn't tell me about it. And I thought, well, she's slipping worse than I am. <laughs> and so I called up the charter cable company and I said, why am I getting this trash in my house? And they said, oh, we're giving you that. And I said, well, no, thank you. I don't want it. And they said, well, it's not costing you anything. I said, I don't want it. And they said, but it's free. I said, do you understand English? I don't want it. And the lady said, I've never had anybody tell me that before. 
And I said, well, thank God you finally had somebody that told you what Christians ought to tell you. I don't want garbage coming into my, I have a sewer taking stuff away from my house that I don't want in my house. And I don't want sewage coming in through my cable. Well, I got rid of that. But then the other day I was on my computer. I was on, of all places, I was on John MacArthur's Grace to You website. And while I was on that website looking up something in one of John MacArthur's books, this thing popped up on, this was on my home computer, not my church computer. This thing popped up on my home computer that said, Mike, 27 women in Pelham want to meet you. <laughs> I want you to know. <laughs> I thought, 27 women? I'm 66 years old. What, what a man. <laughs> and I jumped up and I ran into the bedroom and Mary was in there. And I said, guess what, Mary? And she said, what? I said, 27 women in Pelham want to meet me. She laughed for about an hour and a half. <laughs> you say, what did you do, Brother Mike? I hit, no, I don't want to hit that little Xbox. I don't want that. I don't know what's in there, cornflakes, to make them want to meet me, but I, I don't want that. You see, there's some things you do to serve God. There's some things you don't do. So it's a call to consecration, and it is a command against conformity. Do not be conformed to this age. Now, I want to tell you, there's a lot of good things about this age. Man, look at the communication, and yet look at what happens. People text and drive and die. Or people go to pornographic places on the Internet. You see, man takes what God intended to be good and turns it into bad. That's what man does, and that's what the nature of sin is. The Greek word conform is the Greek word syskematizo, which means to model or to conform to the pattern of, and it's used in art of modeling a clay, or it's used in industry as pouring molten metal into a form. We get our word schematic and scheme from the word. And Paul very bluntly says to the church at Rome in a command, do not be conformed to this age. Young people, I'm telling you, it's not Brother Mike telling you this. It's the Apostle Paul filled by the Holy Spirit from the throne of God telling you don't conform to this world. If you do, you'll be like everybody else. That's why the nuns are having a field day. They don't see any difference in us and in other people. And then the last thing, there's a celebration of change. You're going to celebrate this week when you graduate, and I'm going to celebrate with you. I've got a grandson who's going to graduate next Friday night from Curry High School. And, and uh, yesterday was his birthday. And uh, I sent him a graduation gift and his birthday gift. And I'm thankful to say I did such a good job. I was the first one to get him a graduation gift and a birthday gift. That made the old grandpa feel good. Made Mama proud of grandpa for getting that done. I'm proud of him for graduating. And right now he's planning on getting a job and working and then maybe next year going into the service. But I want to tell you this. He better pray about going into the service. You better pray about where you're going to college. And you better pray this, Lord, I want to go to college where you want me to go, not where I want to go. I want to walk where you want me to walk. I want to follow the path that you put before me. The question for all of us today, whether we're graduates or not, is am I in the will of God? And there are three things that can tell us if we're in the will of God. First of all, be transformed. This is the word metamorphosis. We get that word 
right from the Greek. It talks about when a, when a, uh, when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It talks about when an oyster gets a grain of sand in it and that oyster starts secreting stuff and that grain of sand is converted into a beautiful pearl. Uh, it changes in form. It was a grain of sand, now it's a beautiful pearl. It was a caterpillar, now it's a butterfly and can fly. God wants to give you a change of life. He wants you to soar like eagles. I hope you'll do that. He wants to renew your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to take your mind and focus on godly things like prayer, Bible study, deeds of mercy, acts of love. Do not yield temptation. And let me tell you this. When you go to college, don't get out of church. You're going locally, stay active in this church. If you go off somewhere, find a church, find a campus ministry, get active. The best way to compromise your faith is not to practice your faith. Renew your mind. And then discernment, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Three things about the will of God in that one sentence. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Dr. George W. Truett, that was a man who was pastor of First Baptist Dallas many years before Dr. W.A. Crystal went there. He said in his address to graduates that the greatest knowledge in life is to know the will of God and the greatest attainment in life is to do the will of God. I'm retiring this year to do the will of God. That's the purpose in my retirement. Not because I'm tired of preaching, not because I'm tired of this church. I love this church. But I know that there's a younger man somewhere who can come and take this church where I am not able physically to take it. And I'm excited about that. Don't compromise. Be transformed. Do the will of God. And God will bless you. Now here's the question today. Are you in the will of God? Some of you may say, well, preacher, I came today to see a graduate. I didn't come here to hear a sermon about salvation. Well, guess what? God knew you'd be here to see the graduate. and God put it on my heart to preach a sermon telling you how to be saved. To be saved, all you have to do is realize you're not going to get to heaven on your own good works. Adrian Rogers used to say, I wouldn't trust the best five seconds I've ever lived to get me to heaven. And Adrian Rogers was exactly right. That's why it's important about that cornfield in Walker County. I went in that cornfield, a lost church member. I left that cornfield a child of God. If you're here today, you're, you say, I'm a visitor. You, you think a visitor ought to get saved. There's no bad place or bad time to get saved. I've never heard anybody say, well, I wish I'd waited a little longer to get saved. I've heard people say, man, I wish I'd have got saved earlier. If you're here today and you're not saved, Brother Benny Jackson, you know this. The Lord knocks on people's heart's door, and that's a divine knock. He may be knocking today, and he may never knock again, and this may be your only time to be saved. And if you say no and walk out that door, you can't say in eternity, God didn't give me a chance because you heard a message and you heard it plain, and you heard that this might be the only call you ever hear to be saved. Others of you need to be baptized. Others of you need a church home. Others of you may want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you have loved ones in this service, or maybe there are loved ones that are ill and you're concerned about them. Today, our prayer time will be at the altar call. But are you in the will of God? And if not, what do you need to do to get in the will of God? Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now you'd speak to every heart here. Lord, I thank you for these graduates. Lord, they're intelligent, they're articulate, they're, they're bright, they're pretty, they're handsome, they're strong, they're young. So many things going for them, and yet the world is not a friendly place. 
And Father, I pray they would not conform to the world, but they'd allow the Holy Spirit to transform them into mighty warriors for Christ. And Lord, I'm not concerned about what's going to happen to the church because I've already read the Bible and Jesus said, my church will be built on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, there have been times in the past when people turned away from the church and yet the Holy Spirit came and the winds of revival blew and people were saved and people were transformed and people went back to the church and made the church pure and holy by doing deeds of mercy and acts of love. And now, Father, in this invitation, would you speak to hearts? Lord, there are lost people here today, I'm sure of it. There may be somebody here, and this is the first time they've ever heard the gospel. Lord, what a blessing that the first time they'd hear, they'd open their heart and they'd believe. And then they'd learn more. We can disciple them from there. But they have to open the door to Jesus. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd have your way and your will in this invitation time. Save the lost. Reclaim those who backslidden. Call those who've been saved but never been baptized to make public their commitment to Christ through baptism. And Father, let those who are burdened come to the altar and find peace and relief as they leave their burden there with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our staff to step down front and stand in the front this morning. As we stand and as we sing a hymn invitation, I'm going to ask you to come. You say, I'm a visitor. You come anyway. As we stand, as we sing, you come right now. Come right now. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.